The following is presented by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. Local concept of anointing. Anointing. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about that in the last two weeks with some uh, contemporary issues where we'll go over... Yeah, I like that because I don't know that I thought about that except for it does come up when you deal with baptism of the Holy Spirit... Uh, speaking in tongues as an outcome of that second, what do they call that, a subsequent uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, the sign gifts, um, the miraculous, all of those things will come up those last two weeks and we'll talk about how it has how it has come to be, the situation that it is with initial... Um, Pentecostal movements, and then third wave, so a lot of the things you might hear about from the Kansas City prophets, um, so the prophecy, the nature of prophecy, and we might even touch a little bit on uh, how spiritual gifts will be uh, in effect in the end times, fulfilling Joel 2 and such. There are things which, which we are all encouraged to do and may also be spiritually gifting. Um, so how do we distinguish between the things that we're all as believers expected to do as opposed to those that we are gifted in? Right, so he said everyone is commanded to love one another uh, or to serve one another or to admonish one another. That's for all believers. And then how does that differentiate between the gift of exhortation or admonishment um, to serve one another is a command, but then some are gifted or empowered by the Holy Spirit. So how does that differentiate? Um, and in one way, the Spirit enables us all, because we're all believers who are indwelt, sealed with the Spirit. He enables us all to produce any fruit at all. How could we even say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit? And so... If you do have patience that comes from God, if you do have joy in the Lord, if you do have self-control, those fruits are evidence that the Spirit is working in you. And then the gifting would be uh, giving you the ability to not just see it in your own life, but also using it in specific ways to edify His church. And I think it ties to the 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 mission of the church that we see in Ephesians 4 in the building up of the body building up one another and so gifts are tied to the church and um, if if we think of gifts outside of the church or in an individualistic way that's where we start to run into the confusion Martin so is there a true test to know whether or not you have a gift is there a true test to know whether or not you have a gift? <clears throat> First of all, again, uh, I would say that if you are in the Lord, if you are regenerated, you're born again, you do have a gift because the Spirit's in you and He doesn't leave out anyone. And we'll look at some passages there. Um, can you repeat the question again? I just I just lost Is my train of thought. A true test. Which one? How do you, how do you determine... Gift. Yeah, how do you determine which one? And we'll talk about that uh, likely week three. You've got it. Thanks, Chris. 
All right, those are those are great. I'm I'm glad we did that because I would hate to plan on what we go through and not answer what everyone's wondering. So uh, we'll just start on page two and look at a few precursors, prerequisites. We don't want to ever start something like this and go on experience or logic reasoning alone. If we don't hold the word of God high, we're going to come up with different answers. We're going to be aiming at the wrong target. If we don't first start with a high view of God who gave us his word, and that that word, our scriptures, are judge over the experiences we see, the messages we hear on TBN, uh, what what the world is telling us today. Many uh, a preacher has even changed his view on spiritual gifts because he didn't rely on the word of God but listened to outside voices, outside thoughts and experiences. So we have to we have to be firm in that otherwise we're going to go astray. We're going to be washed about like like waves. So first, uh, just a, a high view of God, that he's the one who's appointed gifts. And I gave you there on the third bullet point, the Trinitarian view of spiritual gifts. We often think of spiritual gifts because uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, well, it's in the name, spiritual gifts. But it's also God the Father who planned these. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we actually see all three of them uh, mentioned there is one, one spirit, there is one Lord, there is, um, there is one God. You might just have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be referencing that a lot throughout uh, today and future classes. So in... With the Holy Spirit, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is not a subcategory or a power of God, but that He is God. It's co-eternal, co-equal with the Father and the Son. He's a distinct person. There's distinction in person. There's equality in nature or substance of who is God. He is the Father. He is the Spirit. God is the Son. But the Spirit's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father, right? So that's just basic Trinitarian understanding. Uh, the Holy Spirit wills, He's worthy of worship, He grieves sin, He guides, He instructs, He inspires Scripture, He assists in our worship, He holds the unity and fellowship in the church together. We see that in Ephesians 4. And also concerning scripture, when we open our Bibles, he's the one enabling us to understand anything spiritual, 1 Corinthians 2. He uh, teaches and convicts us of sin and, and moves us to, to glorify Christ more. He's always pointing to Christ. Like, there's a book by John MacArthur called The Silent Shepherd. He's not very active, and it seems from our perspective, because he's always pointing us to Christ in his word. So much of his ministry is to glorify Christ in the church, glorify Christ in his word, and uh, to enable us to uh, live out the fullness of Christ in the body. Scripture. We have to have a high view of Scripture. 
we have to hold scripture as judge over experience and reason, not under it. If we think about spiritual gifts in some way that actually doesn't line up with scripture, then we need to go back and study what the Lord has already told us. He doesn't change. There's no shifting of shadows with with God. And so um, our goal in this class, just as all of them, is that we would grow more and more to the conformity of Christ. We would have the mind of Christ to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And there's some great notes on uh, apologetic understanding of God's word, presuppositional apologetics in that first footnote. But that's for your reading later, because we're not going to just read the whole list of notes here. All right, let's start out by looking at what spiritual gifts are and aren't, and some definitions of how Scripture describes them. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. That's Romans 12. Also, wonderful verse. Wow. 12.1 Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You shouldn't be unaware. We should know. So much of Scripture is just remembering or being taught what we should know. And spiritual gifts are quite important. So important that the mess in Corinth, Paul needed to address the situation. Correct some wrong understandings. Everyone wanted the superpowers. <laughs> they all wanted to to uh, be able to do the miraculous, and it was creating confusion and distortion, and they were mixing in understandings of pagan ideas about being in an ecstatic state, uh, trance-like euphoria, and um, it was it was just a mess. And so and that's what we see in verse 2 and 3. When you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So that's one way to test, is this of God? Is this a gift that I have or not? And it's simply... Does it agree with what Scripture says? Does it agree with the tenets of our faith that the Lord has laid out in Scripture? Or does it deny those doctrines? If if what you're doing opposes what God is trying to do in His church, that's not, that's not a spiritual gift. And that's, that's what the problem was in Corinth. Just a few things, and maybe you could come up with a few others, but spiritual gifts are not. They're not a place of service where you have the spiritual gift of being able to minister uh, in, the, in the hood. That's, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just where you serve and use a gift of evangelism or of discipleship. It's not an age group, not a... It, it doesn't relate to your spirituality. Let's talk about this a second. So... How spiritual you are, or devoted to the Lord, your communion with Christ, does not determine if you have a spiritual gift or if it blesses the body of Christ. So, the more spiritual you are doesn't mean you'll have more or greater gifts. 
uh, it doesn't mean that if you that the the spirit is, if somebody seems to be quite gifted that they're they must have they must be on a higher level uh, certainly we are all growing to different degrees in Christ but that doesn't mean that if you're a brand new believer that you can't be gifted by the spirit to use what God has given you and that's everything we'll talk about that in a minute with talents and abilities but God's going to use all that you have before you to bless the church, to edify the church. It's also not personal. There's no self-edifying gift where it's just for you. It's it's corporate. And it never contradicts scripture. He's not going to bless you to teach and then it is contrary to what the Bible teaches. It's not the spirit enabling you with your gift. That's something else. That's counterfeit gifts. And uh, as I mentioned, not hyper-ecstatic experiences from other ideas and sources. Uh, So let's look at these words. These are the words that uh, the Lord gave us. I gave you the the English uh, equivalent in of, of the Greek there, but in a basic translation. And uh, the basic idea there. So in 1 Corinthians 12, there actually isn't the word gift at the beginning. Now concerning spiritual, and then as uh, Pastor Bob mentioned, the italics, gifts. We put gifts there because in the whole context of 1 through 11, that's what we're talking about. So the spirituals, that's plural. Now concerning spirituals, that is anything that is of the Spirit, or characterized by the Spirit, or controlled by the Spirit. And in this case, we know that they're gifts because of context. We know that they're gifts because while he could be saying, anyone who has the Spirit of God in them, it's not talking about a person because he doesn't go on to specifically talk about people. He, he goes on to talk about what the Spirit is doing in the people. Gifts is another word, the word charisma. And that's where we get the idea of being charismatic. And in our our day, that means many things, right? Mm-hmm. A charismatic personality is just vibrant and lights up a room and you, you're drawn to that person. Uh, but in this case, charisma simply means a grace. And uh, a, a grace that is of God, a sovereign grace. It's something undeserved. God's given you something. And that something is a gift. And it's it's gracious that he would give that gift to you. And he's, he's showing favor. That's the idea. Is showing favor to someone else. And it's used else, elsewhere to other people. People to people. But in all the contexts of 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and 1 Peter uh, 4, that, that word is about God giving us the, the gift of, the grace, and it is a grace. It's gracious that he would allow us to benefit anyone else in the church. Administrations or services, this, you see the word there, diaconin. Um, that's the same word that we get deacon from. So our deacons, they serve, they administer, they are there so that needs are met. And that's what our gifts do. They meet the needs of the church, exactly how God orchestrates it. 
So everyone in this room who's a believer has a diaconin, a service to to enable the body to flourish. He hasn't left any out, and he enables each church that gathers the ability to grow in that way. And it's an active church life because of the gifts. And this next word gets to that. You can see the Greek word energomaton. It's like where we get our word energy. So there is energy. It operates. It happens. It is effectual. The Spirit enables the church to do what it needs to do, and it happens. Every believer, empowered by by God, actively... I think that's the key word there is actively operates to bless others. And then manifestations. Manifestation is simply, it's on display. It's public. It's evident to all that God is at work. It's the display of the gift. And it can be seen, it can be heard, it can sometimes be be touched. Uh, it, it can be felt. That's what First John 1 says, that uh, the... the Apostle John testifies of everything that they heard and saw and felt, and they they witnessed Christ firsthand. And so in some way, those who are gifted, it's evident. It's evident. And so that test that we were talking about, Martin, uh, the test is others can probably see it if you don't. And we we might miss it at first, and we may hear years later, how your word of encouragement blessed somebody and they found hope in God. Not in you, but in God because of your word of encouragement or exhortation. So uh, it's evident. So it's clear, it's on display, and it profits others. So here's just a few definitions that help us put it all together. A spiritual gift, it's the ability and accompanying spiritual ministry so you're able and you do it. So if you're gifted but you don't use it, it's it's not doing anything. It's dormant. It's neglected. Do not neglect the gift that was given you, Paul told Timothy. And it is an effect that God, through Christ, enables a believer to use. It's for believers or motivates him to use for his glory in the body of Christ through the energizing work of the Spirit. And they're diverse, they're distinct. We're going to get into that next week with the various gifts and how they're employed. But it's a gracious provision. It is so gracious that God would allow us, not just His Christ's righteousness to be holy as he is holy, but then empower us to bless others to grow and encourage one another. If we did that by our own strength, it would not be it would not be of God. It wouldn't. It wouldn't actually work to to grow up one another in Christ likeness if it's not from Him. So that leads us to the source. It's not something that we can conjure up on our own, although God does use our abilities. Because how can we serve with our hands if we don't know how to use them in some way, right? Uh, and I was thinking about that as I think about those who might be disabled. That they will not be able to use the gift of helps and help somebody move in the same way if 
if they are disabled or they're um, they just had several surgeries or so their their gift of helping might take a different form. So that leads to the the idea of do our gifts change? And the answer is yes and no. The way that we employ our gifts may change, but to a large degree, God's gifted you to to serve or to help or to teach. And you know, somebody who loses their voice isn't going to be able to teach in the same way. But they will be able to show by their testimony faithfulness, perseverance. And so their life could be a display to other believers, and that could be a teaching method that the Lord uses. So, First uh, Corinthians twelve four through six, it says that there are a variety of varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all or in all persons. And so, the Godhead, the Trinitarian God that we serve, gives us the gifts, the ministries, the effects for the common good, it says in verse 7. So, the source is certainly God who graciously uses all of our abilities, skills, resources, ability to speak, our ability to talk, our ability to care, our ability to cry, sometimes is what we need to be commiserating or compassionate to a hurting brother or sister. Mourn with those who mourn is a command we're given, and we're not able to do that well without tears, without an arm around the shoulder, without silence sometimes. And uh, God gives a gift to somebody to effectively be merciful or show mercy through those means. All of the means he's given us as humans in your station of life, maybe with your experience you have to know how to comfort and care. And the desired effect that the Lord has is edification. Next page, the recipients. There's several verses there. Each one, each one, each one, each one. Ain't nobody left out. Everybody. Everybody gets a gift. Uh and the question is, will you, will you bless others with what the Spirit has given you? Each and every believer is born again, sealed with the Spirit, indwelt with the Spirit, and gifted by the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to saints. And if you've studied 1 Corinthians before, they're struggling. They're a struggling church, messy church chaotic church, all kinds of sins. You want a list of the craziest church scenarios and case studies, just read 1 Corinthians. And in this case, we just got done reading about misuse of Lord's table and not caring for one another. And then apparently they're in a letter. Uh, They were asking about spiritual gifts. So Paul says now, relating to the topic of spiritual gifts that you wanted to know about, And he goes on for three chapters to talk about the chaos and disorder in their services because they were selfish in their gifts and the way that they were uh, employing them. It didn't have any care for others. They were speaking out of turn, going on too long, just just disorderly. And 
three three or four times in chapter 14. It says that it's so that the church may receive edifying. So believers in this church, though they are carnal, still should be able to be using the gifts. The Spirit doesn't take holiday. God doesn't take a holiday from energizing His church to be the church. Ephesians 4, 7 says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And this is again the word grace. And it's a gracious gift that God would allow us to see the unity in the church happen and that it is to the measure of Christ's gift. So, let's move on. Actually, let's stop and see, are there any questions related to the source, those definitions? Yeah, Chris. On, on page, um, well, <laughs> on your, one of your summaries on the source of spiritual gifts, it says the spiritual gift then is any ability and accompanying spiritual ministry. In fact, that God's Christ enables the believer to use. Um, I guess I get, con- I still get confused, but um, that would seem to me to be open ended, where anything a person does that has a spiritual impact means that that's their spiritual gift. So if they lead someone to Christ, well, they have a gift of evangelism. They give a lot of money. They have a gift of giving. Uh, what's the difference between <coughs> a gift and then just exercising the commands that God has given us where it may not be a gift? You'll, you'll be coming up on 18 gifts, if you will, in the next section. Right. So where does that tie in? That yeah, I, so that statement... Uh, I, I didn't find where you said that is above the source. Sources of spiritual gifts. Uh huh. I'll see a page number. Yeah, I forgot page numbers. Okay. Yeah, so I think that this is uh, guardrailed by the gifts that are listed in Scripture. Uh, so if you, I guess that's my my first response would be that you don't have a gift that's not listed there. It, it probably falls under. So preaching is not a spiritual gift, but that's part of exhortation and teaching. Right? So if you, if you go and communicate the gospel to your neighbor and they put their trust in Christ, you evangelize. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have the gift or that you are just so gifted. It means you are faithful and the Lord used that person uh, it seems that it's there's different, uh, and we'll talk about this in the number of gifts that each person has. But uh, there's there's a mix, there's a, a a blend, a package deal, if you will, that everyone should serve. And so, to some degree, you have the ability to serve others in the church. But there are others that are just more prominent in serving. They're just so willing; they get such joy out of it. Uh, the person who, in your case, evangelized the lost, they they may be amazed that it happened, but that may be a, a rare occurrence. So they're not driven to to do that. This, the Spirit uh, motivates and gives us the desires that God wants to to build up His church. So I guess if we stand back and look at 
a, a church of 500 people, there's going to be some people that just naturally are always sharing the, their faith with the lost, and they seem to be growing the church in number day by day. So um, while I, I love to serve, uh, I, I think I'm more in the middle on, on that one in, in terms of I, I can and there are times where it invigorates me or uh, I, I, great, I gain great joy from service but it's not the same as somebody else who they, they're just I don't know I I think that there's differing val- values or uh, a mix of of gifts. Uh, Pastor Todd says it's it's like a color palette that here here are the the different colors and with that the Spirit uses that to enable each person to bless the body. Does that answer your question or would you like to add to it and no, maybe no, help I, a little bit and it's, 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 flesh that out? I think the subject is, it's a lot of times we have to be very precise with how we say it because it's, it's, it's led to confusion for me, Certainly. Uh, quite honestly. So, you know, for people, all of us are commanded to give. Yeah. But yet, not all of us have the gift of giving. So mm-hmm. we still have, even with this, quote, spiritual gifts, we still have commands that we need to be following regardless of whether we have the, quote, gift or not. Mm-hmm. So. And to do it cheerfully. And to do it cheerfully. cheerfully. Yeah, Yeah, we're all commanded to give, but and to do it cheerfully. And some just seem to, at every turn, be giving to somebody else their time, their resources, and even when they don't have as much as the next person. So even if you're not wealthy, you may have the gift of giving, and you're just always ready. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That was a comment that came when Chris asked that question. Christ called out the woman, or noticed the woman who gave very, very little that she gave out of all she had. That's right. And it's easy, I think, to make assumptions about few wealthy people. They must have the gift of giving because they can give liberally. Yeah. Um, and yet it may be someone who may only give in quantity very small, but in terms of quality of, and, and their heart and everything gives liberally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says in Second Corinthians eight there as well that they gave beyond their means, uh, the the Macedonians. So, yeah, we we have to be careful that we don't put limitations where I I, I can't have the gift of service because I don't have any time, uh, or I I couldn't possibly be a giver because my income hasn't. Well, where's the line? That's not that's not laid out in Scripture, but uh, at the same time, yeah. You know, I've, I've seen people has basically said that I can't do this because I don't have that gift. In right. other words, I can't share my faith. I can't give. I can't mm-hmm. follow God's commands because I don't have that yeah. gift. We should never fall into that trap. Right. Know, you know. <laughs> so. Right. I think that that's where uh, spiritual gifts should not be divorced from spiritual fruit and uh, just basic commands that the church is given to, to love one another, to be at peace with all, especially those of the household of faith, to to confront one another. And I think for those who don't have the gift in that area, they still need to. It just takes a lot more prayer and dependence and, uh, and, and faith to... That's one of the things that it says here is that it's according to a measure of faith. And so the Lord is going to give you a gift that you're able to do. Uh, he's going to he's going to give you if you have faith that you're able to 
do that gift, uh, employ that gift in service or helps or or maybe it's it's teaching or it's exhortation that you're able to do that. And uh, I think someone asked about growth. Yeah, early on, it, it's going to take some understanding of how it actually edifies the church more and more. Um, someone may... <laughs> Some people may, with strength and exhortation, struggle with mercy, but then as they grow in years, grow more compassionate towards people, and their truth actually is a, is a mercy, or it, it, it can they can blend together. Apollos is a perfect example. With a, um, I can't say it well, Aquila and Priscilla, mm-hmm. they heard him preaching, and he was gifted in that area, but they took him aside, edified him, and set him back out. They helped him to grow in his knowledge for his teaching. So he was gifted in that area, but needed more knowledge to grow in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's ways to uh, to grow your gifts. Paul told Timothy as well to he charged him to do several things. I think that's one of the examples here. A little bit later of yeah. If you flip over. Uh, number of gifts, how many gifts does each person receive? I I bracketed it off. So Paul told Timothy to preach the word, to do the work of an evangelist, to teach faithful men, to reprove, rebu- rebuke, exhort. And Timothy, as a as a pastor of the church in Ephesus, he was as a pastor a gift to the church to to be able to lead and preach. And uh, he was also told earlier in First Timothy to not neglect the gift that was given to him when he was laid hands upon him. And so, yeah, we should not neglect it, but rather grow in those areas. And that's where our abilities and skills and, and simple knowledge come in, where if, if I need to exhort someone, I need to study Scripture more. I need to know what I'm exhorting them in. And grow in those ways that you know will edify people more. And that's just part of being a Christian, to your point, Chris, of just growing uh, in the Lord to to maturity. All right, back to... Where were we? Water spiritual gifts. The source is the Lord. The recipients are believers. And the number of gifts. So... First uh, Peter four ten. First Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, or again, italics, we're learning about Bible translation today a lot, but this, the italics, the special gift, uh, maybe it says something else in your translation. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, First Peter 4.10 says that a gift is given. Each one has received a gift. And yet there's lists in there's a list that follows and there's a list in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. And so it seems more likely that this is a package deal. You get a Christmas present and you open it up and there's five more presents, especially if you're in my family, that are all wrapped. And maybe you have to open those up and they're all wrapped <laughs> and unwrap all those. The Lord gives each according to measure of faith, uh, knowing the needs within the church that he's placed you. And so 
I, I listed them here in the footnote, these 18 in uh, Robert Thomas's book on understanding spiritual gifts. I think uh, it could be anywhere from 11 to 18, depending on the lists you look at, and we can look at that closer next week when we kind of dive into each one. And in this list, he includes uh, the pastor, teacher, the evangelist, the um, the apostleship as gifts as well, uh, where that's kind of an additional list from Ephesians that not everyone includes because those are um, roles or offices and uh, and those for prophecy in those for specific times. So with those 18, I don't think it's uh, as important to, to know whether or not the apostleship is a gift because Ephesians 4, in a different context, says to the church was given these gifts. And he lists those four. In Ephesians 4, he says... I'll turn over there a minute. Ephesians 4, he's talking about uh, verse 7, to each one a grace was given. And then um, 8, he gave gifts to men. Now 9, he ascended... 10, 11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastor teachers, pastors and teachers. And that's all for, and he continues on through verse 16, the ministry that happens in the church. So the church was given these roles, and early on at the establishment of the church, so we're talking first century apostleship, there needed to be apostles and prophets to declare what God has spoken. They didn't if Ephesus didn't even have full scripture yet. New Testament wasn't wasn't canonized. It wasn't established. So they're still passing around letters between Laodicea and Colossae and Ephesus, just trying to learn what the Lord has for them. And so those are two unique roles in the church that were needed at that time. And today we still have evangelists and pastor teachers. So those are kind of in addition to the lists in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. So the number of gifts that each person have is is simply dependent on what the Spirit decides to give you. That's not our choice. Uh, Now, what we are responsible to do is be faithful as Chris said, we need to follow all the commands of Scripture, be obedient to the Lord in building one another up, admonishing one another, uh, serving one another, or Philippians 2, to um, consider others better than ourselves. And 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter in the context of the church, not forsaking the fruit of the Spirit, mainly love, which operates with the rest of them, in caring for one another, considering others better than ourselves. And when we have that mentality of the focus of the church, what the church does in edifying each other for the benefit of others, building each other up, edifying, equipping one another, then our gifts will will just come out of desiring to do that. So, the... 
there's a few ways of describing it. I, I mentioned here a, a, a mixed blend, a composite, uh, a package with an assortment of gifts that he's given you inside to varying degrees. And uh, Pastor Todd, and uh, when he taught uh, seven, six, six, seven years ago, called it the primary colors that the Holy Spirit sovereignly mixes in each believer's life for the exact ministry he's ordained for them. So, and then the an example of Timothy we mentioned. And then I, I also offered to you some hypothetical examples. And I mean, I probably was thinking of some of you when I, when I was just writing some of these down. Just some are gifted in preaching and then others might be gifted in preaching, but they're actually better teachers. They're better at just explaining clearly, not necessarily exhorting you to, the Spirit uses that person differently. A preacher might, you just might feel so convicted at the end. And that's not the preacher, that's the Spirit enabling him to, to move us as listeners to respond well. Uh, I tried to include as many of the gifts in these examples, but um, there were, were certainly more gifted in some areas than others. As Chris said, I don't, I don't consider myself an unmerciful person or an uncompassionate person. Um, but I have been told I need to learn uh, with some relationships the, uh, the lesson of commiseration. And, uh, and so we're, we learn more how to be like Christ and the Spirit enables us to bless other people in the body as we do that. Let's move down to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Three times there's a variety of gifts, variety of effects, variety of ministries. So that variety, all from God, it all has the same purpose. We're not carbon copies of one another. Uh, even just take an example of four people serving in setting up for Good Friday service coming up. They're all going to go about it a little bit differently. One person's going to just be chatting away with the person next to them, caring about them. The other person's going to be just focused on getting it all just right and thinking about spacing so that they can accommodate people's needs. And So we all are served, but some people seem to be gifted to care for people or, uh, com- you know, that alongside ch- talking with people and our gifts come out in different ways. We bless each other in different ways. That's the variety of effects that we have and the variety of services. So, again, you might have the gift of service, but you might serve in one way and I might serve in another way. Both spirit-enabled to use our abilities, uh, the, the knowledge we have of Scripture to encourage the body. And that's the purpose. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14. There are a number of places in 1 Corinthians 14 where I guess it wasn't clear to the church at Corinth what what gifts were all about because he had to tell them several times. In verse 4, it's uh, one who prophesies edifies the church. Um, verse, verse 12 
uh, also since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Uh, and then verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. There should be fruit from an actual spiritual gifts, an actual spiritual gift. Uh, verse 17, if you're giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not edified. So you could, you could in your own heart be thankful, but if you don't express that thanks, maybe someone else isn't edified. There's there's all kinds of issues in this church, but then down to 26, let all things be done for edification. That's the outcome. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. <coughs> So Paul, Paul wants the church to grow, to be edified, to be equipped, to be built up. And the goal is uh, unity, knowing Christ, maturing in his righteousness. Uh, go down to 1 Peter 4.10 on that next page. Ephesians 4 is at the top, 1 Peter 4 at the bottom. Or you can just turn in your Bibles too. That's good. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Verse 10, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so. Whoever is speaking in utterance of God and it continues. But I wanted to point out those those bold highlights that it serves others. Your gifts serve others. Your gifts uh, enable you to be responsible to God or what you've been entrusted with, you can administer or serve the Lord by His grace. And then at the end, to glorify God. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And he does deserve all glory and dominion. So that's the purpose. And Revelation 4 emphasizes that as well. Everything is for him. That's the purpose. If you're seeking your spiritual gift for your own benefit, for your own encouragement... Actually, just be a part of the church and other people's gifts will encourage you. Other people's gifts will bless you. Yes, be devoted to the Lord, commune with Him, be in God's Word and in prayer. Uh, but oftentimes, what we seek in spiritual gifts is not... It's misguided because we're seeking it for ourselves instead of blessing others. So, that's why we can't be... Uh, uh, solo Christians... In isolation, we need each other. It's how we were designed to function best. We were adopted into his family. We don't move out right away. We, we're in the family. So be careful about that uh, self-edification. You will be edified. You will experience the joy of the Lord as you employ your spiritual gifts, but that's not the primary purpose. Okay, we have about five more minutes. I can hold off and we could just talk some more about what we've done so far. Or do you want to jump into talents and abilities a little bit? I just have a question. Yeah. With the, the joy of things in our gifts, 
is it accurate to say that in not using them that there's there's quite a difference in in the consequence the experience and mm. the consequence negatively as opposed to not just being obedient or yeah the question was it, just as we do experience joy when we use our gifts and we see God at work and we we witness the fruit, is there also a negative uh, aspect of that where if we're, we're neglecting using our gifts, we, we don't have joy? And I would say yes, and that's, that's just true if we're, if we're drifting, if we're uh, not obeying what Scripture tells us, then we're going to feel dry, we're going to feel... Lonely, we're going to feel discouraged, and uh, m- mainly, I think, it, we're not a part of the body. Or when we're here, maybe we're distancing ourselves, or we're relationally closed off uh, to to those those blessings. Or we come and we're seeking, we're just we're coming to to benefit from everyone else, and in giving, we see the Lord's hand at work in in other people, that that fruit is is really encouraging to us. So I think I think that's right. We're not going to, if we're neglecting our spiritual gift, I, I think that we are being disobedient. We're not. Um, mm-hmm. Right. It's not detached. Right. Yeah. That's a that's it's a fruit of the spirit. And so when we're allowing the spirit to work in us to bless other people, there's going to be that fruit. There's going to be joy. Uh, if if we do not use our gifts and to encourage someone in a broken relationship and there's not reconciliation, well then we're not going to see the, the the fruit of peace. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think that's the charge is don't sit on the sidelines as a believer. Use the gifts that God has given you. And next point here, just briefly, uh, your gift is employed through those things that God's given you as abilities and talents and resources. Um, and uh, so you may be very gifted in music. You don't have the spiritual gift of music, but you can use that to to edify the body. And those other examples here as well. So, you uh, you may have mercy and service as a gift and you use your, your talent of baking or uh, cooking and you just begin ministering to homeless people and bring them a small meal and and comfort them and you bring along your friend who just seems to have a photographic memory of the Bible and can talk with them about the Lord and together you you see the fruit of that. It's just an example. So those examples are just hypothetical situations. I think what's more important is that we, we look around our church and we examine how people are clearly using their gifts. And I think you'll find it's easier to discover your own 
the the way that the Spirit is enabling you to bless others when you look around and see how other people are. You go, oh wow, they just they seem to always have a joy in doing that, or they. And it's not just joy as a litmus test. I want to be careful. I might just be saying that because that's what comes to mind. But um, I think God does give you a desire. He enables you to see it through, and it has an effect. It actually happens that someone's blessed because of how you're working in the church. Um, So, any questions about gifts and talents and abilities? Or an example of how you've seen somebody use their gifts, talents, and abilities, but it was clearly a spiritual gift that they were employing? Al. Yeah. Um, I'm understanding this correctly. God gives each one a gift. And um, as we recognize that gift, we, we are exercising it maybe more maturely. So it's not that we're we're kind of adding to our gift along the way as we are being sanctified, but we're we we receive the gift and we're just kind of maturing in that in the way we're exercising it along the way is that yeah the question is that if I if I could repeat the question accurately God is uh, giving us a gift and we're exercising it along the way and we're growing in our ability to use that gift and I think that's what we get from 1 Peter 4 to employ it each one's given you a gift employ it in serving one another um, and Timothy was clearly gifted in certain areas, and yet Paul told him to do those things, even though he knew he already needed to. So to to work hard at at those, and I I don't know exactly, but Timothy was told to do the work of an evangelist, and some people have put a lot into that idea of doing the work of an evangelist. So that he wasn't an, an evangelist, but he was doing the work of an evangelist. And so I don't know if that means he's given the gift of evangelism or he's simply charged to do what he needs to do in preaching the word, exhorting, and also preach the gospel. So so in that way, it is work. And sometimes we have to labor harder at those areas. And, you know, if, if you're a new believer, maybe it's all hard. And if you're a... If you're, if you've got gray hair in the Lord, uh, it's it's been a few decades. Uh, go back and work hard at what is it that the Lord's given me to do. And I can tell you, looking around this room, there are people who they write bless, uh, just such sweet letters. They have words of encouragement. They they're there when you need them. If you were to call on them, they're counseling people. They're getting together with you for coffee. They're uh, they're able to explain something if if you have questions they're um, just available uh, they're faithful and uh, when the body does that it flourishes so any other questions well then I charge you to go be the body and use your gifts 
Lord in heaven, we pray that you would uh, help us. We depend on you. This is not something we do by our own efforts. We we want to use all that you've given to us um, to bless your body and glorify your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to Presented at Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan, where we exist to display God's glory, declare God's truth, delight in God's Son, and disciple God's people. No part of this digital file may be reproduced or distributed without prior written consent. For permission, go to mbcmi.org.